One of the things I know from being asthmatic is that when, when you're not breathing, when you are inside an asthma attack where everything constricts, you can't think clearly. You don't make good decisions, mm -hmm. right? It's a, it's very, I don't know how to describe that to someone who's never been in one, but that relates to our spiritual journey as well, right? When we're not breathing, when we're not connecting regularly with spirit, when we're not slowing things down, we're not relaxing, as you're saying, it's not just that we drift away from that connection with spirit. We're not making good logical decisions either. So our rational part doesn't work well when we're not breathing either. Hello friends and welcome to Curiously Wise, Practical Spirituality in Action. Today I'm having a conversation with Karen Hager. Karen and I met not long ago when she interviewed me for her podcast, Out of the Fog. We had a ton of fun and I'm so happy to have this opportunity to talk with her again. So let me introduce you to Karen. Known for her compassionate, no-nonsense approach to the spiritual journey, Karen Hager conducts more than 1,200 private intuitive sessions each year, which blows my mind, with people from around the world looking for spirit-led guidance. Karen is a passionate advocate for intuitive development, and her classes and events focus on empowering students to connect with their own natural intuitive awareness, deepen their spiritual practice, and open themselves to abundance. She is the creator and host of the long-running podcast, Out of the Fog with Karen Hager, and I encourage you to go listen because I had so much fun talking on it, and I've listened to other episodes, and they're all great. So Karen, welcome to Curiously Wise. Thank you, Lauren. I'm really glad to be here. I love it when I get to, when I trade with people where we have great conversations, we get to kind of continue it. And yeah. so, but today we're focusing on you instead of me. <laughs> you work intuitively, as do I. And we were talking a little bit beforehand. And one of the problems I have is I don't know how to help other people tap into their intuitive gifts, their intuitive natural. It's, I mean, it's not, I hate to call it a gift, really. It's just something we naturally have and we all have it. But I do it so intuitively, I don't know how to help people do it because I don't have the, I teach best what I have to learn, you know, what I have to work to learn. So I really want to talk about this, this process of how you help people tap into their intuition. And maybe we should even start with how did you begin to work with your own intuition? I, so I was a very strange intuitive child. And when I was about four and a half, I told my guides to shut up and go away. And I spent about the next 40 years trying to outrun my intuitive ability, trying to hide it. I didn't, I, I was so, I still am very weird, but I didn't want to be weirder. And I thought that the psychic things about me made me even stranger. The thing that happens when we try to suppress anything that belongs to us, anything that's natural, anything that's good, like our intuitive ability, when we try to suppress that, it always, always comes back to bite us in the behind. So when I'm working with students and talking about that, I talk about how if we were standing in the swimming pool, we had a beach ball and we tried to push that beach ball down under the water, you can push it down. It'll stay down a little bit, but then it keeps kind of squeaking away from you and popping up and splashing you. <laughs> so I had a lot of those splashing experiences of psychicness. And when I was in my early 40s, it's a very long story. We'd have to do a 12-hour podcast. Yay. But when I was, that's for the marathon edition okay. um, that, that we'll do later. But when I was in my 40s, I had a health experience that 
involved me having three surgeries, one after the other, with not a lot of time to recover in between. With each one of those, I found afterwards, and I don't understand why, my guide says it's because it was time, which is not a good enough explanation for me. <laughs> but after each one, my ability to keep that beach ball under the water was less and less and less. And after that third surgery, which was in 2007, I realized I was going to have to do something with this or else I was either going to go nuts or I don't know what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I found an intuitive development teacher. I said, yes, I invited my guides back in. And that's what started me on the path to where I am now. All of us say yes to our intuition in different ways. And, and part of how we start, it's not so much about explaining intuition to other people. It may be more about helping people find where their yes is. I believe that we all come with natural intuitive ability. It's factory installed <laughs> and that it's different in all of us. So when we can get to that place of what stops me from saying yes to my intuition, what would it feel like to entertain the possibility that I might be able to see, feel, know, understand more than what I'm allowing myself to feel and understand right now. That to me, that's the beginning. So for me, it was when I said yes. And for students, my students also, it's, it's how do we say yes to that? Yeah. Yeah. I know that I resisted a lot of my gifts for a long time because like you, I always felt like a weirdo. I never really fit in anywhere. And, you know, and, and my friends were few, but very, very intense friendships. But yeah, and you don't want to be a weirdo. You don't want to be called out as that that strange person that I don't want to be around because she freaks me out. <laughs> so and you add smart, which I, I'm sensing for you, too. You add smart onto weird and it really sets you apart from your, yeah. your peers when you're a kid. Yeah. So I think that a lot of us resist. and. I know I've been told stories by my father of me as a kid interacting with ghosts in the house we yeah. lived in. I don't remember it, but he told them to me. So I, I have that at least. So I know that there was that coming out. And I think that's probably why I was a little resistant to a lot of kids that just their energy didn't feel good. I didn't know that's what it was. But so I think a lot of us resist this because it does set us apart. But that's because we don't honor that as in our culture. And we don't honor it in our culture and we don't honor ourselves. Yeah. We learn as, as children, a lot of us, that we need to keep our mouths shut. We need to sit in. Mm -hmm. That the things that make us stand out, unless it's something like I'm great at sports or I'm right. the best student, that the things that make us stand out are things sometimes to be covered up. And so you're right. We don't honor it and we don't honor ourselves. And I would say part of this saying yes and starting to reconnect with your intuition might be to honor the reasons you're resisting. I, I believe that we don't hold on to anything that we're not using in some way. I can't say yes to my intuition until I look at why am I resisting this and be okay with that resisting. I have compassion for that little four and a half year old me who was like, guys, this is what the heck? Go away. Stop it. I have compassion for her. I have compassion for the growing teen and young adult and adult me who, even though now when I look back, I was using my intuition in everything I did, every job I ever had, every everything I ever did, I was using my intuition. 
I have compassion for that young woman who was so blind and felt that she needed to resist. And the thing about saying yes to intuition is that compassion and almost a softening of the energy you hold around it. Your resistance didn't make you lose your intuitive ability because you can't lose your intuitive ability. Your resistance, for whatever reason, made it harder for you to see the natural gift. And I agree with you, gift is a little weird, to see that natural flow that lives in you. I think of intuition like a little pilot light that's always on. We don't think about our pilot lights a lot or look at them, but all you need to do is kind of turn around or turn inward, and there's that intuitive flame. And all the years that you resisted and all the reasons that you resisted, spirit knows that. You're seen and loved and held exactly as you are. So if if you're making a big deal of the resistance, if you're Harden, if you're resisting the resistance, if you're hardening yourself around the resistance, mm-hmm. there's, there's no need for that. You can soften into that. Saying yes to your intuition feels like coming home. It feels like someone putting a blanket around your shoulders when you're cold. Saying yes to your intuition doesn't have to mean all of a sudden there's dead people filling your living room and Archangel Michael showed up with a list of things he wants you to do and there's unicorns in the yard. That's not what it means. It's coming home to the truest part of yourself, that spark that doesn't leave even when we drop our bodies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's resistance for me is always around fear. You know, and, and so I, I, once I learned that that's what was going on, I was able to go, okay, I'm feeling fearful about this. That's okay. Yeah. That's a form of protecting yourself you know, okay. And I've, I've learned to work through it. Okay. So I'm afraid of that. What is the best case scenario? (laughs) What's the possibility of, you know, if, if I accept this, that I'm very intuitive and that I know things and I don't know how I know them. If I accept that as a, as just a part of me that is very useful. (laughs) And that I can even use it to help others. That was the mindset that I had to work through. It's like, okay, I'm going from the fear of being seen as crazy, weird, whatever, <laughs> to, okay, but this is something that's really a beautiful thing that I can bring into the world. And if I can just get comfortable with that, then how awesome could that be? Yeah. <laughs> so that's that pep talk thing for me yeah. is what I have to go through. Well, and there's no requirement that you suddenly drop all fear. Right. Fear also is part of us and how we relate to things. So for me, as I'm trying to kind of soften up to get to that, yes, okay, maybe I can feel that intuition. I'd like to honor the fact that I can be afraid of something and still consider it. Yes. I can be afraid of something. I can be as compassionate with my fear as I am with my resistance to my intuition. You're right. Fear, fear constricts. Mm-hmm. Intuition and connection with spirit always, always opens. Mm-hmm. But they just naturally, the way we're wired, fear, constriction, and opening always exist side by side, just like light and shadow exist side by side. Yeah. So it's okay to be afraid of exploring your intuition and start gently in the way that feels right to you to explore. I talk to people a lot who who say, can you 
can you help me lift this fear? I would, I would explore my intuition if I wasn't scared. I've got to resist. I got to get rid of all this fear and then I will live a fearless, abundant, whatever it is, life. To me, to live a full life means we integrate all the parts of ourselves my intuition, my fear, my weirdness, my generosity, my selfishness, all of that comes together in one integrated package. And that is already seen and known by spirit. Mm-hmm. So when we work with our guides, when we work with our intuition, we're, we have the advantage of not having to do anything except show up exactly as we are. Yes. Yes. We don't have to be perfect before we can start working because we're no. never going to be perfect. No. <laughs> and we're always growing. So it doesn't matter yes. how old we are or where we are on the path. There's always, always, always more. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been catching myself saying lately a lot, I am a work in progress. And I'm always going to be a work in progress. Yes. <laughs> right. That's how, how much more fun is it to be a work in progress, to be challenging yourself, to be pushing the boundaries of those fears a little bit, even if it's just a tiny bit, you know, that's, that's part of life is, yeah. is, you know, stretching and learning and trying new things. And life would be really boring if we just got into our little safety capsule and didn't go anywhere else. Well, and that little safety capsule is an illusion, mm-hmm. yeah. right? It's a, it's a story we tell ourselves. It, it, and intuition finds us always in the present moment. Mm-hmm. And when we are in fear or in restriction or in all those things that we are, I'll be in that 35 times during this interview, right? So there's right. no, right, when we are in fear or restriction, and that's okay, we can't be present. And for spirit to work through us, speak through us, that, and I don't mean to do the work that I do. I mean, for you as a real person, a non-weirdo in the world, to (laughs) use your intuition in your daily life for however you feel called to do it, that ability to be in the present moment is like the seed. It's like turning the key in the ignition that wakes up your intuition. When we're in fear and restriction, we can't be present because we're chasing our own tail inside that little plastic Easter egg we built and told ourselves it was our safety bubble. It's yeah. not. It's a plastic Easter egg. And it's about <laughs> as sturdy as one, right? Which right. is why we get triggered, right? Because stuff comes in and breaks that bubble all the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. So the ability to even for a quarter of a second sit in the present moment, that's another key to sparking intuition. It's easy for me to sit here and say that. Mm-hmm. It is devilishly hard to do, which is why it's a practice, why it's part of spiritual practice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know I am guilty of, well, I'm human. <laughs> I resist getting quiet. Sure. And I love it when I get quiet because I get very clear messages and I can get very clear on on my own, you know, what what is it that I want to do next or what's coming at me or whatever it is I need a little insight on. And yet I will find myself procrastinating my meditation or watching the TV instead of sitting quietly or so. And I've been doing this for years. And I, like you, love to teach people how to communicate with their guides, you know, in a conscious, active way. And yet I still find myself resisting that quiet because that's what I need. I need to just like quiet for 10 or 15 minutes before the brain stops for me. And that's after years of practice. But that's when that intuition really comes forward and can be received very easily for me after and, a lot of practice. <laughs> and I would, I would say, too, that 
it's possible for someone who runs from silence to still connect with intuition because your guides know you're running from silence from silence spirit knows you're running from silence it is possible to be the woman who runs from silence and still receive intuitive knowing does that is that make sense those things can oh, yeah. exist side by side there yes. isn't a prescription like spend 10 minutes in silence and then you will right. be intuitive. Yeah. It's it's different for everybody. For you, you need that time. That's your softening time, your your warm-up time, your quiet time. For other people, it may be that 10 minutes in silence would be agony and they don't know how they do it. And it's what 10 minutes, it's an eternity. So the way that I teach is that we're looking for even like a quarter of a second, mm -hmm. an interval that's so small where we can catch ourselves being quiet naturally. Because even though we run from quiet, there are little moments every day where that quiet happens. So for me, for example, one of those might be while I'm waiting for the tea to steep, mm -hmm. or in that moment between opening my eyes in the morning and getting out of bed, or that time when I'm standing in the yard with the dog waiting for her to hurry up and do her business so we can get inside. Can I take in the sky, the birds, the air? Can I catch myself? Mm. Me, Karen, as I am in my pajamas with a, like a parka over my pajamas, <laughs> here I am standing in the yard. Can I catch myself, find myself there? Mm -hmm. And I can do that and feel that and, and feel my presence, even though maybe another time in the day i will actively flee <laughs> from from silence do you know what i'm getting at yeah i do i do because like i said earlier i can't explain this to people because i don't i i can't explain myself but i i know that i'm doing that what you're talking about yeah. there because there are times often i'm moving through the house i work at home i spend almost my whole life in this house but I'm, you know, I'm moving through the house, the dog's trotting by the side kind of thing. And I get a, I get an intuitive hit, you know, something just, oh, okay. That's, you know, and, and it's, it's, but I didn't consciously get quiet, but I also wasn't, you know, I wasn't in a position to be running away from it. Yeah. I will tell you that one of the first places I realized I got regular intuitive hits was going to the bathroom. Yeah. Cause it's quiet. You go there to do something and you know, so Jonathan Edwards, right, famous fire and brimstone 18th century preacher said, when you're going, I can't believe we're talking about this. It's a potty podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to We're it. being vulnerable oh. here. <laughs> so Jonathan Edwards, fiery 18th century preacher and Puritan said, when you're going to the bathroom, that's the time you should pray the most because that's when the devil can enter your body, right? So, but he's recognizing that's that moment of, absolute vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And and it is true. There's no requirement to be absolutely vulnerable 100% of the time. Plus, we can't do it. But that's a recognition, right? In that moment of absolute vulnerability and when we are the most rooted in our humanity, all the stinky, smelly, all that. I mean, not for you and me, but probably I think other no, people when they use the bathroom, there's smells and stuff. <laughs> we're not. It's flowers for us, but for other people. Right. In that moment when we're so, everything's so carnal, that it's important to also have our mind on spirit. I don't believe that the devil enters our body when we go to the bathroom, just by the way, just so in case anyone's <laughs> keeping score at home. No, that would be Jonathan Edwards. But but that's right. That's He wrote Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God, right? So that was his whole 
that was kind of his whole shtick was you bad god angry pray more bathroom that was his whole thing you got me taking a drink of water without it sorry about that so we've got potty stuff and a spit take no it's good yeah there we go i love where these conversations go i never know where it's gonna but it's i mean it's it's true that when i was just starting out on this and i was so resistant i found that time in the bathroom is sure. you know very quiet it, it just allowed the brain was not busy there was you know you're on autopilot and 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 so it's weird i learned that too with showers yeah oh for sure yeah. yes and i learned it when i was writing novels because i would get stuck you know i didn't know what was happening next or something wasn't working and i go take a shower and it would all flow through me, you know, effortlessly. It was like, oh, there's the solution. And I know now that that was my intuition that was, you know, was working on it for me. And I learned to finally harness that on purpose. It's like, okay, this sucks. This is not working for me. Okay, I need to figure out this. Yeah. And go take a shower. You know? And that's part of how we connect with our guides, right? So I think of guides as almost not translators so much, but kind of buffers for the raw information that comes in through spirit. Mm-hmm. When we're in a place like the shower, I agree, shower is a big one for me too, <laughs> where it's kind of the equivalent of the softened gaze, right? When mm-hmm. we're in a place where we're maybe doing something physical, but not paying too much attention. Driving is another place, yes. although public service announcement, always pay attention when you drive. <laughs> But you know how you get into kind of that zone. Mm-hmm. When we have that softened gaze, this the information from spirit that's always with us comes through more clearly. Mm-hmm. So another way to find quiet is to find that softened gaze in other things that you do, doing the dishes and looking out the window, yeah. walking the dog. Full, oh, yeah. Holding laundry, laundry for sure. Thing. Yeah. Oh, we have a lot of the same things. Yeah. <laughs> They're, they're routine human things that don't require active thought. I can fold a shirt and not even realize I folded the shirt, you know, yes. kind of thing. It's and physical. driving that way is definitely, and it's kind of scary for me sometimes because I'll realize I'm on the route home from somewhere. And it's so, I've lived in this place for 23 years, you know, it's, yeah. and there's only like one road in. So it's, it's a very, you know, familiar. I don't have to think about it really other than. Obviously, there's some autopilot on there keeping me from running into people, but I can go and go, I don't remember making that turn. Yeah. But it's because I've been sort of lost in the what's going on quietly in my head kind of thing. So, yeah. You just said something really good about intuition and it just made me get all excited. Oh, good. Just like you know the way home without thinking about it very much, you know the way to your intuitive connection. You don't have to think about it very much. The yeah. route's already programmed in. And it's different for you than it is for me. And it's different for one person than another. Every This is why I'm still teaching after so many years. Mm-hmm. Why I do 1,200 sessions a year. Why I love this so stinking much. It practically makes me levitate. <laughs> Every person connects intuitively in their own way. Each one of us has their own sacred way home. Back to our intuition. Back to that flame. And we don't have to think about it too hard to get there. Does that resonate? It's like that. You just gave me the best possible metaphor. Good. Gorgeous. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because for me, if I think about it too hard, it's, you know, if you try too hard, sometimes things don't work. And if you just, like you say, soften, relax, 
One of my favorite examples is when I'm trying to do something with technology and it's just not working. Every time I turn around, it's glitching, it's the power goes out, it's you know, whatever. I've learned to go, okay, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing right now because this is too hard. I'm trying too hard. I'm trying to force it. And I walk away and I do something else or I go and I walk the dog or, you know, I find something else to do. I come back when it feels right. That's yeah. where I get intuitively, oh, I can go back to work now. And it all works beautifully as if yeah. there had never been a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like that one because I think we can all relate to that. I just need to get this thing done, you know, kind mm-hmm. of energy. And, and if you soften that in yourself, take a breath. Give it a little time if you can. And I think a tapping into your intuition is the same way. If it's like, I got to get into my intuition. I got I to gotta connect to it. Yeah. Kind of counterintuitive there, you know, so that I love that softening idea. And the things we grip onto the hardest sometimes are also the things we're resisting. So I, so my website, by the time this airs, my website will be a thing of beauty. I promise you, (laughs) I have been struggling with the website. I do all my, I do all of it myself, which is probably not a great idea. And I came up against a, a problem. I was trying to change it, couldn't change it. And I found myself kind of gripping that idea. This is impossible. I'm never going to figure it out. It's going to be like this forever. I can't find a way through. And I, and I realized, okay, I need to stop and walk away from this. Just like I'd walk away from a puzzle I was trying to solve or a, a challenge in a conversation that I, I need to just stop and walk away. Mm-hmm. I did stop and walk away. I took the dog around the block and came back and looked at it again. And I thought, aha, here's an idea. I wonder if I, and then I was able to solve it. Mm-hmm. So that, give yourself permission to walk away. Yes. Sometimes we feel like we have to keep going and push on it. I'm going to be intuitive. I'm going to be intuitive. I'm going to really push on this. I'm going to do my <laughs> spiritual practice. I'm going to be the best little intuitive ever. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, yeah, that's well, that not always, yeah, that's not yeah. always the best thing. So softening, releasing that grip is good. Yeah. And that's where I find even, because I, you know, we're, I'm human. We're human. You forget your, you forget what you know sometimes, you know, and you just, I'll be trying to force. I told somebody I'd have this to them at this time and I said, I need to live up to that and nothing's working. And I've learned to just go, okay, take a breath. Yeah. Ground, you know, connect back with mother earth, take the dog for a walk, do something that is just not this. But also that that breath for me has become very important because it lets me release some of the tension that I've, you know, you get, you're gripping, you're gripping, you got, got to get this work. And just that breath is such a nervous system calming thing yeah. that, that I find that alone sometimes is enough for me to, to get that little bit of distance and go, okay, not going to force it. And then, like you said, then the solution can, can rise up and, and meet you. And there are ways Christian mystics and mystics in other traditions talk about the the breath, especially the in breath, mm-hmm. as taking in the power of the Holy Spirit or spirit or the divine or Sophia or divine, whatever you choose yeah. your word. Because the words spirit doesn't care about the labels. Humans right. really care about the labels. Yes. <laughs> that beautiful in breath can be not just calling your own energy back to you, but reconnecting with your spirit. One breath. Not a 12-day retreat on a mountaintop where you shave your head and breathe. (laughs) One breath Mm -hmm. 
to bring you home. One breath to center, one breath to ease, one breath to say yes, one breath. And when you find yourself then breathing raggedly again or saying no or clutching at things or me beating my head against the laptop, why can't I fix it? One breath to find a way home. Doesn't cost you anything. You're breathing anyway. You don't have to embrace a teacher or a philosophy or overcome your skepticism or stop being afraid. One breath to find a way home. Yeah, it's, it's, breath is magical. Yeah. And I learned a lot about breath with my son who at, at 15 months started having asthma attacks. Oh, wow. And he couldn't communicate. So I had to really pay attention to his body language. And I learned that when he was having trouble breathing, he get very, his shoulders would come up and he'd breathe really fast and shallow. And if we could just get him to relax just a little bit, then he could get a little bit more breath. It was less, you know, anxiety because when you can't breathe, you get very anxious. But, and that's where I started to really pay attention to breath. It's like, oh, okay. When I'm nervous, I get my shoulders come up and I get tense and I can't breathe very well. And, and if I just can go, and I, I, even you can tense everything and then let it go. Yeah. You know, that alone is a, I mean, if you don't do anything else for your, your physical health and your mental health, do that. That's so I'm asthmatic too, as a child and still as an adult. So it's been a part of my life forever. Mm -hmm. And I have these weird memories as a child. My dad would rush me to the emergency room. I went to the emergency room a lot as a kid. I have an unusual physical body. A lot of intuitives do. I'm, I may be, I might be extra unusual, but I have these childhood memories of my dad rushing me to the emergency room. And at that time when I was little, so this is late sixties, early seventies, to stop an asthma attack, and you probably know this with your son, they gave, oh, no, you're, you're, no. Yeah, no, um, he's, probably your he's son's 30 now, older than so. I'm. <laughs> oh, gosh, yes. So he's a young one. But yeah. they would, to stop the asthma attack, they would give you a shot of adrenaline. And in my child's mind, the needle was like that. Oh, yeah. That long <laughs> at terrifying. And my dad was a court reporter at the time for the local paper. So we'd come into the emergency room on a Saturday night and all the, he knew all the cops, he knew all the criminals, the defense lawyers would all, they'd be like, hey, come on. And there I was getting my giant shot. Yeah. But one of the things I know from being asthmatic is that when, when you're not breathing, when you are inside an asthma attack where everything constricts, you can't think clearly. You don't make good decisions, mm-hmm. right? It's a, it's very, I don't know how to describe that to someone who's never been in one. But that relates to our spiritual journey as well, right? When we're not breathing, when we're not connecting regularly with spirit, when we're not slowing things down, we're not relaxing, as you're saying, it's not just that we drift away from that connection with spirit. We're not making good logical decisions either. So our rational part doesn't work well when we're not breathing either. Yeah, (laughs) it's not a good place to be. Breath is is the one thing we can't live very long without. I mean. You know, you can live without food and water for days or weeks, even for food, but minutes for breath. You know, yes, best. <laughs> so, yeah. and you're already doing it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes we just need to remember to do it consciously. You know, because we, we can get in that tense space, and that's where that I've obviously trained myself to go. Okay, I need to take a good deep breath. Every session I work with a client, we start with breath, yeah. you know, so it's just, it's, it's a, it's a lovely tool. There's your little tip for the day. Take a deep breath. 
<laughs> intentionally notice yourself yeah. breathing. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I, I had a couple of good yoga teachers who also taught me how to breathe really deep into the belly and that kind of stuff. So that's that's been helpful, too. Oh, yeah. So we've we've touched on guides. <laughs> we've mentioned them a few times now, but let's talk about them more directly, because I know we share a passion for communicating with our own guides, but also for yeah. helping other people learn to communicate with theirs. I know it was a life changing I want to say a moment, but it started with a moment, but it's been a life-changing practice to consciously connect with my guides. And it, it's, it, yeah, it's a comfort to me now. You know, yeah. it's like always having a wise person, a wise grandmother kind of feeling or or your best friend, you know, just, but also always right there. So you talked about having contact with your guides early on and telling them to go away. Yes. <laughs> I'm not proud of this, but yes. I told Archangel Michael to go away. Oh, <laughs> he was way too strict for me. <laughs> so I, I don't think that's uncommon, but I no. was in my 40s when I did that. So so how do you, how do you, I know how I connect people to guides, but how do you help people, first of all, kind of understand what guides are and then connect? I know you have a class, so we can talk about that too. I do. I love it. One of my favorite classes to teach called Meet Your Guides. So I teach that a couple of times a year online. I teach it live. It's how do I start to talk to people about guides? So when you agreed to come into this body, you did not come in empty. We come into this body with tools. Our intuition, our connection with spirit, that flame that's always in us, that's one of those tools. That's kind of the engine that keeps everything running. But also in your toolkit are your guides. So I imagine guides as energetic beings, which means they don't have gender. They don't have the attributes that they show us are attributes to help us understand. So if someone shows up and says, I am Peter, your fisherman guide, it doesn't mean that your guide has, is called Peter. It means that for whatever reason, this is how they want you to understand them. So energetic beings without gender, without name, without age, who come into your field, agree to come in with you to help you in earth school. Like all tools, they are here to be used when you decide to use them. So except in rare cases, and sometimes it's times when there's a lot of danger or there's illness or there's something super important, our guides don't push ourselves on us. We invite them in. They're always there in the background. So everybody in the world and most people don't know about guides, don't understand, don't care, aren't going to try. Mm -hmm. They all have guides too. And their guides will be working with them through their energy in whatever way is best. Mm -hmm. People who intentionally want to begin a relationship with their guides. I teach experientially in everything that I do because of my strong belief that intuition is individual in every person. So what I do is help people create a sacred space, interior space, in which to meet their guides and give them some tools for questions to ask, prompts to use, actions they can take that help them not bring their guides closer to them because your guides are right there. They're there with you right now. Mm -hmm. But to bring you closer to your guides. You're not drawing your guides to you through some kind of weird something. Yeah. You're, you're settling yourself down so that you can notice them. 
So that's that's how I teach about guides. I believe we all have a master guide who comes into the body with us and will stick with us till we leave the body. We have other kinds of guides. One who's in, I see in everyone I work with is a vocation guide, someone who is with us specifically to help us understand and live into the agreements we made before we came into the body. So what I would call our soul's path, that's a much longer topic, but master guide, vocation guide. And then we've got tons of other guides who kind of come in and out as we need them. Mm-hmm. Guides around healing, guides around teaching, guides around writing for you, I'm sure. Guides around parenting. I really believe that I have a guide who helps me interface with the physical world. I'm mm-hmm. very, I'm, I'm the one who can't get the door open or the lid off the jar. I have a terrible time parking the car. I put my clothes on backwards. I'm not very... I don't feel like I'm a scattered person, but when it comes to interfacing with the physical world, I spill the coffee and I just, I don't have that. It's not my thing. Mm-hmm. I have a guide who helps me park the car. Yeah. I really believe that. Oh yeah. Because otherwise I'd n- <laughs> otherwise I'd just be circling the parking lot forever and never get to the grocery store or wherever I'm going. You know, I have a, I have a guide who I have asked for a standing request for easy left turns. Hey, yes, 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 yes. And it doesn't mean that they're like right there, right then, but they're easy. I don't have to worry about, am I going to be able to get out in that gap and, you know, that kind of stuff. And I, because I've done this for years now, I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to wait. You let me know. (laughs) I'll see it when it happens. And I take my dog once a week to dog care and daycare and getting out of there at five o'clock in the afternoon is a very busy pinch point road. And I just go, as I'm getting back in the car with the dog, I go, okay, need my easy left turn. And (laughs) oh, yeah. And that's not disrespectful. I hadn't thought about using it for parking because I can't park my car straight. You know, so, okay. But there's you, so you can make requests of your guides and you can also set limits. You said that in your 40s, you asked Archangel Michael to go away. We are allowed to set boundaries with our guides. Mm -hmm. That's expected. It's not disrespectful. It's not disrespectful to ask for the easy left turn or ask for help parking the yeah. car. It's a, it's a relationship that's already happening. It's, it can be an easy, conversational, natural relationship. I work with my guides all the time. So when I am doing readings, I'm in channel. I'm still here. I don't roll my eyes back in my head and have yeah, another yeah. voice or anything. It's, it's me. It's this. And when I teach or give interviews like this, I'm about half in and half out of channel. So I won't remember what I say after this, probably. Yes. So I hope it's good, except for the potty part. That might just live with me. For that might come back to haunt my dreams. But most of it, I won't remember. So I work with my guides all the time. And that familiarity brings that sense of almost comfort with it. Mm-hmm. I have set, got, set boundaries with them because I don't want to be receiving intuitive information all day long. Right. I need to be able to kind of close things down, dim the lights a little bit so that I can go and flee silence for a little yeah. bit. So I can go watch Netflix or make dinner right. or whatever it is. Yeah. But yeah. That's great. Yeah. I, my other one, I always have to share this one because it's my favorite one. I hate to shop. Hate to shop, especially for clothes and shoes. Don't like doing it. Yep. And so I avoid it until I just have to go do something. Well, I finally realized a friend of mine had an angel that came in and said, I can be your household angel. You know, tell me what you need me to do. And the fact said, will she shop? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I heard from her directly because 
that that's the way I am. That and it's not like she's talking at my ear; it's in my head. Yeah, but she said, "Of course I can shop. What would you like me to do?" And I'm like, "I need help with clothes." So periodically, I will say, and her name is Sarail. That's the name she gave me, mm-hmm. and she presented as as female for me. But I'll say every now and then, Sarail, I need a few new shirts. Would you go look for that? And then, and let me know when you find them. And I'll get a hit, usually when I'm eating lunch. So I guess I'm quiet when I eat lunch. But I'll get a hit that, oh, I, I got to go to, we have an outlet mall here. That's our shopping. Nice. I got to go to the mall. Okay. And it's the, it's the Columbia store. Okay. And it's going to be sort of back to the left. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. And I go and there's what I need. It's oh, usually on sale. They always have it in my size. <laughs> and I'm wow. like in and out with no, no effort. And I love it. So I share that one regularly because I know a lot of people don't like shopping. And I recently interviewed Candy Mozik and, and she told me because I had told her that before. She said, I tried it. It totally worked. <laughs> wow, I'm going to try it, too. I also hate to shop. Some of it for me is the empathic thing. So I need to have good. If I go into a place like that, sort of with my light on, if I haven't been paying attention, people come from all over to tell me their life story. Oh, well, yeah. I'm just like, no, I'm here for wh- whatever it is that yeah, I for came me. to. <laughs> I was hoping there was Kleenex on sale. I, I don't, I'm not. So for me, some of not liking shopping is that empathic place. We're always, always allowed to ask for what we need from our guides. I need a couple of shirts. Please help me get the Kleenex on sale right. and get out of the store without anybody telling me their life story. P- right. Please help me move through this day with grace. Please protect mm-hmm. me. We can ask for whatever we want. And it's not disrespectful. Yeah. Some people hold the belief that communication with our guides should always be about, like, tell me what's going to happen in my future or what is my life purpose? No, it's way better than that. Yeah, yeah. It's about having help available to you anytime, help that's calibrated to you, help from spirit who already understands you. Mm-hmm. So it's way cooler than thinking that if you meet your guides, all of a sudden you're going to know what's going to happen in Thailand next month. That's, right. that's not what this is. No, no, it's not. Yeah, I, I just, I have fun with it. You know, that's yeah. what I encourage people is have fun with it. They're, they're like your best friends who love you to death. Always. <laughs> yes. Always. Yes. They're going to love you. And, and you can ask for something that you think is ridiculous or uh, unworthy or whatever. And as long as it's not going to harm you, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> as long as it's in alignment. Yeah, yeah. I could ask over and over for a pony. But I'm. what am I going to do with the pony yeah, once right. I have it? Where It's going to be in my office with me. What am I going to do? So I can ask over and over for a pony and, and know that if it's not in my highest good, if it's not in alignment for me and for my path, something else is going to come along instead. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And one of the things that I was, I was taught, my best friend dragged me on my spiritual journey with her. <laughs> She's a very good friend. But she found out, she learned from somebody else that whenever you ask for something, you can always add the words or better to the end. Yes. You know, so I can be specific. I want a pink sweater that, you know, I can throw in the washer and dryer or better. Uh (laughs) So that may be what I think I need. But really, there's something that's going to work for me way better than that. And, you know, and Sorrel will go find it for me. I love it. I'm going to ask about the shopping because that would be a game changer. I know, right? Yeah. (laughs) Super. And it's, I think for somebody starting out, you know, just learning how to communicate or, or being comf- getting comfortable with that, asking for something so practical mm-hmm. without putting limitations on it. 
So I didn't say it has to be, I, you know, if I have to drive to Richmond, I'll drive to Richmond. I don't care. Just find this for me. Tell me where to go and I'll go get it. And then you get that response. You know, you, you see, oh my gosh, that worked. Yeah. And it's like the easy left turns. What I consider the first year of my really believing in all of the spirituality part, I was, I, I was having a hard time keeping my, my frequency high enough to really connect with guides and things. And so I went and then I would get depressed because it didn't feel good living at that lower frequency anymore. Right. But I, I asked them, I said, I need a reminder. I had no community yet. My best friend lives three hours away. I said, I need a reminder when I'm not talking to my friend about spirit, that there's magic in the world. I literally said that there's magic in the world. And for me, one of the most magical things are birds because they can fly. So I asked for feathers. I said, just bring me feathers to remind me that there's magic in the world. You cannot believe how many feathers I found. <laughs> so by the end of about 12 months, I went, okay, okay. <laughs> With the feathers. So now every now and then I still see a feather, but it's usually a small one. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, but, but just that very human kind of event of finding a feather reminded me because I had asked specifically for that. I even saw a feather in a, on the back of someone's arm once in a tattoo. Oh, wow. You know, I've seen it in, you know, signs on, on business, that kind of thing. I saw them everywhere. I had one come floating down out of a clear blue sky once right in front of me as I walked out of a restaurant. No birds, nothing up there. <laughs> Just the feather. But those, That's, those tangible things really help, it helped me for sure to believe, to trust that all of this is real, that this is something I have access to. And that building that relationship layer by layer or feather by feather, right? Feather by feather. <laughs> acknowledging. So something else I say to students is that whatever you receive intuitively, even if you don't believe in it, even if you think you imagined it, you acknowledge it. Oh, look, a feather. You say, thank you. Thank yes. you for this feather. I receive it. And then you discern, what do I want to do with this feather? Is this one feather too many? Do I want to ask him to turn off the feathers? Mm -hmm. Is this feather just an accident that I'm happening to notice? Or is there a message here? So acknowledge, say thank you, and then discern. There is no requirement to turn out your rational discernment. Yeah. Every feather doesn't mean you're supposed to do something. Yeah. You ask for feathers as reminders, accept them as reminders but yeah. building that building that familiarity with your guides and how they work is super important that's kind of the next step in making this connection yeah i love this conversation <laughs> weirdos unite <laughs> already united we did it we're united we are so I think this is a good place for us to stop for today though i have a feeling there's more conversations in our future but oh this is, this is, it's just so much fun for me to talk to other people who have similar experiences and you know how to help people tap into their, access their intuition. So that's, I've learned from you on that today. So maybe I can be a little more helpful with my own clients. Now. <laughs> mm. That, that count. Thank you. So I forgot to warn you about this. I'm asking everybody if there's a must read book that you would like to recommend. A must read book. Gosh, so to me, every book is a must-read book. I believe that imagination and intuition go together, and part of how we feed imagination is by opening ourselves up to all kinds of experiences and sounds and foods yeah. and sights and places and books. So I don't, is there a must-read book? 
I'm reading right now Pema Chodron's uh, When Things Fall Apart. I'm revisiting that book. That's a wonderful book about how we deal with our fear and how one of the best quotes from that book, and one of the reasons I came back to it, is this very moment is the perfect teacher, mm. which, which blows my mind. People who follow me know that my wife was diagnosed with cancer in the fall. So we're going through cancer treatment. Both my kids have had health issues. There's a, like, there's a lot going on. I'm running ragged at the moment. And yet, this very moment is the perfect teacher. So right now, that would be my must-read book. That yeah. book is something I'm hanging on to right now. All right. I've never read that one. I've heard of it, but I've never read it. So thank you. Excellent. I'm and it's short. <laughs> yeah, excellent. So, all right. Pema Chodron, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything by her is fabulous. Okay, good. I'm always looking for for new good things to read. Being a novelist, I am a bookaholic, but I, it's mostly fiction for me. But I've I've, yeah. I've branched out into nonfiction in the last few years. So tell everybody where they can find you. You can find me online at my beautiful working website, which is karenhager.com. So that's K-A-R-E-N-H-A-G-E-R, karenhager.com. There's, you can click the classes tab and find classes and events. You, I've always got something going on and you can book a private session with me there if you're so inclined. Those private sessions are the heart of my work. It's a chance to, and everyone is different. Man, it's fun. <laughs> it's a chance to connect one-on-one, voice-to-voice. I do all my work through the voice, so I don't, I'm on video because I like you, but mm-hmm. I strongly prefer not to be on video. It's a real chance to connect voice-to-voice so that we can look together at what what you're holding, what's happening, what you desire, how we might ease the path ahead. Mm. So karenhager.com is a place for all that good stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Amazing. So this has been so much fun again. (laughs) And, you know, it's when you meet somebody who's had such a similar kind of experiences that it's, it's, it's just validating. I think, you know, it's just nice to know you're not the only weirdo out there. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm really grateful for the connection. I love meeting like-minded people and that sense of community is missing a lot in this kind of work. So thank you, friend. Yeah. All right. I want to thank the the listeners for being here with us today. And I hope that you've learned something. Uh, Maybe you get quiet when you go to the potty. (laughs) We don't take anything too seriously here. And I hope that you'll come back next time for another episode of Curiously Wise with another wonderful conversation. And I want to thank Karen for being here because it's really been fun talking with you today. Thank you so much for joining us today on Curiously Wise. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future fabulous conversations. And if you had any ahas, please share them in a review on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to pay forward the unique wisdom we all have. If you want to know more about me or my intuitive energy healing practice, Heartlight Wellness, please head over to my website, www.heartlightjoy.com. Curiously Wise is a team effort. I am grateful for the skill and enthusiasm Arlene Membrot, our producer, and Sam Wittig, our audio engineer, bring to this collaboration. Our music is Where the Light Is by Lemon Music Studio. I'm Lauren Wittig. Please join me again next week for another episode of Curiously Wise. From my heart to yours, may your life be filled with love, light, 
joy, and of course, curiosity.